simple man. Now, of course, he used to be hers, but she gave him to me. Now, why she want to sell him? I just can't see. Wanna sell my monkey. She want to sell my monkey. She want to sell my monkey. But that will never do. She want to know why we don't get along. But she don't even realize that she's doing me wrong. She want to sell my monkey. She want to sell my monkey. She want to sell my monkey. But that will never do. Listen, Tom, I want to give you advice. Yeah, man. Now, listen here, Tom. Now, if I was you, yeah, man. I'd make a big stealing barring yeah. and bring it all home to you. And then she won't have to sell her money. Oh, I see. No, boy, I wouldn't have to let her sell it. You sure it'll work like that? Now, if it was me, that would never do. Oh, I'd beat her head. to hang around home every day and night. I'm even scared, you know, to trust that little gal out of my sight. She may sell my monkey. She may sell my monkey. Oh, you can't take it, huh? You can't take it. <laughs> she may sell my monkey. Then I know that would never do. Until I make her realize he still belongs to me. She wanna sell my monkey. She wanna sell my monkey. She wanna sell my monkey. But that will never do. Thank you. 
Welcome to the Old Codger Show for this week on WFMU. We opened up with Tampa Red and She Want to Sell My Monkey. Then uh, Denise Kane and Virginia Morgan with Denise Smokes, Virginia. <laughs> this duet there for harmonica and organ. Well, last week, you, you may remember, we had a special fundraising pitch from the esteemed Booker T. Bodenheim. He's the, uh, the black black sheep of the Bodenheim family. Now, I, I, I mentioned that Gus rarely talks about Booker T. Booker T. is from the, uh, the Harlem branch of the Bodenheim brood. I was introduced to him by uh, Gaylord Fears. Anyway, it, Book, Booker T.'s message to my listeners last week was spectacular. I, now, I had never met him, so my people reached out to Booker T.'s people, and they arranged a visit to my bunker on my sprawling compound in East Orange on Spring Jet Avenue. Well, uh, Booker T. came by on Saturday, and we got along great. Oh, that man can hold his liquor with two hands. Uh, actually, with three, but he asked me not to elaborate about this on the radio. Anyway, we found out that we both enjoy playing the race card, which we did all afternoon, and we both won. Uh, you should have heard the raucous laughter when we both pulled the ace of spades from the bottom of the deck. Uh, you know, I think Gus doesn't talk about Booker T because he's jealous. Uh, BTB, which he insisted I call him, is a fun guy. Those who know him well say that he can play poker while reading the Wall Street Journal with a chorus dame in his lap. Well, I'd say we are a match made in... Well, not heaven, obviously, and hell won't have any Bodenheims. They're bad for morale. Anyway, uh, uh, BTB and I called Rummy Delbarton. BT has some great ideas for new products and merchandise that we can advertise right here on the Old Codger Radio Show. Also, I think we're going to set up some special purpose acquisition companies, SPACs, I understand that that's what the kids are all talking about these days. Now, I don't have any idea what it's about, but when it comes to special purposes, as well as ulterior motives and carefully concealed conflicts of interest, I want a piece of the action. Well, uh, BTB and I also discovered that we both reject what's commonly known as the, uh, the five-second rule. When it comes to food dropped on the floor in our homes, both of us observe the three-day rule, except for alcoholic beverages. For, for that, there is a strictly upheld ten-minute rule. And it also turns out that uh, <laughs> Booker T. Bodenheim and I had another thing in common. We were both on intimate terms with Mamie Smith. That's my intro to the next song. And here is Mamie with uh, Going Crazy with the Blues on the Old Codger Radio Show.
saxophone very still to one who never met her this might seem extreme yet her charm still makes me lay me down and dream every song in my soul Each plan in my life has one unattainable goal. Yes, the jackpot. The girl in my life, yes, yes. Satisfaction. The boys don't go there for the beer, the barmaid's the attraction. Her age is oh well, quite all that and more on Monday morning. She knows her onions, take my tip, she's heard the gypsy's warning. Not this side, please. Oh, missus. She lays on powder, thick as crust, I smacked her cheeks and how she fussed. I couldn't see her face for dust, the barmaid at the rose and crown. She wears nice undies full of thrills, all silk and lace and saucy frills. I know because I've paid the bills and seen them at the rose and crown. There is a tavern in the town, in the town. And in that tavern there's a bust. Fourteen she's round, she's got a figure fine and fair. There's lots of it and some to spare. He comes in here and goes out there, the barmaid at the rose and crown. Who? <laughs> She likes to think that you are hers, and if you prove a quitter, she'll cry into your glass of mild and turn it into bitter. She'll have a little drink with you and make you nice and cosy. But if you never count your change, you'll make a hit with Rosie. She always looks so very posh, so many rings she wears. By gosh, she never has her hands to wash. The barmaid at the rose and crown. The pendant round her neck is great. It's larger than the dinner plate. She's gone round shouldered with the weight, the barman down the rose and crown. There is a tavern in the town, in the town, and in that tavern there's a lass in a glittering gown with jewelry. She takes the 
bun Her earrings weigh quite half a ton She lets me swing on them for fun The barman at the Rose and Crown Thank you. Thank you. There is a tavern in the town, in the town. And in that tavern there's a lass in the glittering gown. If you should take her for a mug or try to sneak a little hug, she'll kick you in the bottle and jug. Oh! The bar made at the rose and crown. I thought I told you not to come here. Well, I'd buy a drink if I could raise enough. Go on, get out of it. Started out that set of music with Mamie Smith and going crazy with the blues. Uh, Fats Waller, there's a gal in my life. Then George Formby sang uh, about the barmaid at the Rosen Crown. And finally, uh, all-girl band Mary Lou Williams, uh, her girl stars, featuring uh, Marjorie Hyams and Mary Osborne, and they did something called Timmy Time. This is Joel Codger at WFMU. You know, uh, we got some listener mail after the, uh, the fundraising shows for the past two weeks. Now, any envelope that arrived which did not contain a, a check or cash was discarded without being read. But uh, that was fewer than 50 letters. Now, one listener wrote, uh, Dear Mr. Edison, I do enjoy your broadcasts so very much, but uh, would you mind cleaning up your on-air language? My delicate sensibilities are sometimes wounded by your coarse invocations. I have never experienced such an issue with Gus Bodenheim's broadcasts. His language is clean as a whistle. Kindest regards, Listener Dan. And he included a modest check. Well, coarse invocations. (laughs) 
course, invocations that inflict wounds. I didn't realize I had such a potent weapon in my rhetorical arsenal. Well, I shared this with Gus, who he said he felt somewhat vindicated that listener Dan appreciates his, uh, how did Dan call it, an elevated standard of broadcasting conduct. However, uh, Gus kept muttering something about his, his honorarium. I know what that means, but any term derived from the word honor cannot apply to Gus. His moral compass always points to the vestibule of hell. Then, here, another letter. We got uh, listener Derek in Brooklyn. He sent a stack of cash. That was all singles, but still. Uh, anyway, De listener Derek writes, I really shouldn't donate any more money this year. I'm way over my quota, but I feel the need to support shows like the old codger or else WFMU might remove him and bring back dreadful DJs like Erwin Trusett. Then he says, Courtney, do you think you could get me a date with Lola Bell Pancake? That's from listener Derek. Well, first of all, let me just dispose of this. Erwin, whatever his name is, hosted a show on WFMU during the 1990s. I remember him. He was a knave and a poltroon. Now, as for me getting listener Derek a date with Lola Bell Pancake, it bears repeating, since I say it at least twice each program, and I say it with such emphasis that it's become a regular catchphrase used by listeners, and that is, I do not pimp Lola Bell. However, Derek, if you're listening, uh, Lola Bell can be reached through her talent agency, the International House of Pancake. It's on Route 22 in Union or Springfield, New Jersey, I forget. Anyway, ask her out. Uh, bear in mind that she has a boyfriend the odious Halid Bottlenecks. Ah, uh, if you can lure her away from Halid, I would be grateful, and I think it would be in Lodabelle's best interest. She's, she's generally very smart, but she's not a good judge of men. And calling Halid a man is, I'm being generous, if not misleading. But don't take this as encouragement, because, as I said, I do not pimp Lodabelle. There, I've said it twice this program. Well, speaking of bad men and knaves and poltroons, we now have Gus Bodenheim introducing yet another new sponsor to the Old Codger Radio Show. It is perhaps Gus's only redeeming quality that he helps us pay the bills around here. Let's face it, sometimes life is simply too simple. One finds oneself awash in optimism, aglow with uncomplicated bliss. The daily routine is, well, pretty doggone pleasant. Happiness and sunshine abound. There's a bluebird sitting by your window pane, and everything in life seems just as it should be. Sound familiar? Maybe you need the problematic. Problematic. I'm Gus Bodenheim, asking you this. Why melt into complacent pleasures when you can propel yourself screaming off the rails just like everyone else? Can't get no dissatisfaction? Add some colic to your day. You never want for company while misery is within your grasp with the all-new problematic. problematic. Your own personalized Pandora's box, 100% guaranteed to replace the dull, smooth contours of contentment with exciting nooks and crannies of resentment, frustration, and apprehension. Jagged, sexy textures of festering animus and energizing jolts of blind rage. Get up out of that all-too-easy chair and ask your local vendor about our trial offer, and I do mean tribulations. The Problematic, another Del Barton tool for living. around. 
got your rubbers on your feet comes a snowstorm you can get a little heat comes love nothing can be done comes a fire then you know just what to do blow a tire you can buy another shoe comes love nothing can be beginning of that last set, we heard Victoria Spivey, and she sang Murder in the First Degree. Then uh, Oscar Peterson on piano with uh, I Surrender, dear. Fletcher Henderson and his orchestra gave us uh, Memphis Blues, and we finished up that set with Artie Shaw and his orchestra at the singing of uh, Helen Forrest on the song Comes Love. I'm Courtney T. Edison, old catcher here on the WFMU. We, we have been going through the listener mailbag because the, the two-week fundraiser that recently ended brought in an avalanche of mail. At least 60% of it contained uh, checks made payable to me, or in some cases cash, which is also payable to me. That cash contains the signature of the, the Secretary of the U.S. Treasury, who I consider a close personal friend, if not necessarily a drinking buddy. Because with, with that signature endorsement, you can take it to the bank. Well, here's another letter from, this is from a listener, uh, Joe, in Jersey City. Curiously, uh, Joe has the same address as the radio station. That's peculiar. Uh, uh, Joe included a, 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 sm- a small check. He spelled my name wrong on the check, but we can adjust that. <laughs> Gus Bodenheim is very adroit at altering the handwriting on checks. I, I mean, you would never be able to detect that anything was changed when Gus gets done with it. Anyway, so uh, the jo- Joe from Jersey City writes, What have you got against Annette Hanshaw? That, that, that's all he wrote. Nothing, nothing about uh, a great show, Courtney, or a uh, codger. You may be a swine, but you're a swine with great taste in music. No, none of that. Joe seems to have an obsession with Annette Hanshaw. Well, that, that makes one of us. Look, Joe, I confess that Annette Hanshaw singing causes me discomfort, and I, I would not want to share that discomfort with uh, my audience. Her, her voice is, is weak. It's, it's watery. Her singing is soulless. She lacks charisma. That's right. She's, she is charisma-deprived. In other words, she lacks all the qualities you'd find in, say, a performer like... Uh, Flip the Frog! Because, yes... It is time once again to present another musical soundtrack from an award-winning major motion picture starring everyone's favorite acting amphibian. Oh, this week, we're going to hear the soundtrack for Puddle Pranks. This is, this is from 1930, and it's starring, or at least people having cameos in this MMP. That's, that's major motion picture. I mean, it, 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 the star, of course, is uh, Flip the Frog! But anyway, also appearing in bit parts and cameo roles, there's a Nola Bamber, a Teddy Feinblum Diaz, otherwise known as the Jewish Mexican. Then there was Kip Mousley in this one. Uh, Barney Carlyle, his nickname was Snatch. Barney Snatch Carlyle. 
Dender was Raoul, 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 Jr., Jr. He's the son of Raoul, 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 Jr. Uh, also, this uh, major motion picture, Wally Pencil, uh, a guy named Armani. He's a lousy actor. He was just an empty suit. And finally, a young, very young Scrooge McDuck, still doing bit parts at this stage of his cinematic career. So here's the soundtrack for the major motion picture, Puddle Pranks. Starring, you shout it out. Thank you. 
am depressed, yet resurrected and sailing the crest. Why this elation mixed with deflation? What explanation? I am in love. Such conflicting questions ride around in my brain. Should I order cyanide or order champagne? Oh, what is this sudden jolt? I feel like a frightened colt, just hit by a thunderbolt. I am in love. I knew the odds were against me before. I had no flair for flaming desire. But since the gods gave me you to adore, I may lose, but I refuse to fight the fire. So come and enlighten my days and never depart. You only can brighten the blaze that burns in my heart. For I am wildly in love with you And so in need of a stampede of
Final shit of the program. We started out with uh, the soundtrack of Putter Pranks, starring Flip the Frog. That was from 1930. Then Cole Porter sang his uh, demo of I Am in Love. Ruth Edding sang together, We Too. And we finished out with a sweet duet between Olive Klein and Elsie Baker. It was called Whispering Hope. It was recorded in 1914. This is the Old I'd like to announce that next week, here on the Old Show, we will announce a grand announcement about the impending announcement of... Oh, are you seated? Sit down. I said sit down. We will announce on this program the Del Barton vaccine from Del Barton Labs. They will make the announcement through their announcer, Gus Bodenheim. If, if you've been waiting for the world's most effective vaccine to be announced, you won't want to miss this announcement. It isn't just the most effective vaccine. It also comes in 31 flavors, including pumpkin spice and chipotle. And you can you can jab it anywhere you want, and as often as you want. But I shouldn't say anymore. I, I'll leave that to the announcer of next week's announcement. Well, this is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM, and online at WFMU.org. Now, don't touch that dial. And why are you standing up? I said, sit down!
Okay, listen to this. On this day in history, the first on this day in history was published. Oh, sure, what year? 130 A.D. Oh, that sounds about right. Also, on this day in history, Hardy goes to the past and brings me the coffee mug that he broke, the one my grandma gave me. Hey, Lou, here's the past version of your mug. Sorry I broke the present mug. That's all right. Now the present mug is fine and the past one is broken, so all is right in the world. Your guy's scheme of repairing things by going and grabbing the past version seems like a really bad idea. What makes you say that? You think messing with time and constantly bringing junk that's supposed to be broken back into existence is a good idea? Oh, it's neither good nor bad, really. Just super dangerous. Exactly. But look, something like this international sea-and-say would be lost forever. The Belgian cat says, Are you sure that thing ever existed? I think you're grabbing junk from other timelines. Yeah, could be. By the way, Mr. Doubt Wire, I got your old Levis. Lettuce? Levis. Lavoris? No, Levis Dungaris. Levis Dungaris. Is he a Roman? He? Levis sounds gender neutral. Are you guys pretending to be dumb? I was thinking the same thing about you, but then I thought pretending to be dumb is a sign of intelligence. Could you write it down, maybe, Lou? Okay. Levis Dungaris. Oh, Levi's Dungarees. Oh, excuse me if my pronunciation is wrong and I do not speak the Queen's Gambit. To answer your question, no, please do not bring me my pants from the 70s. I have since purchased new ones and also my butt is a different shape. Yeah, it's bigger. Just different. Maybe Butchie is right. We need to accept that things that are gone are gone. It's hard for us because most people must accept that, but we can go and get the old broken thing. Except for some old broken things like Grandad White and my old dog Bone Eater. Yeah, definitely can't do people and creatures. Out of curiosity, why not? Oh, Lord, because people have agency and they do things and they affect lives and events in a complicated way. I mean, there's potential for your coffee mug to disrupt, but not as much as if we bring Uncle Elliot back from the dead or something. Now that would be disruptive. Butchie's right, though. Even if these things don't affect events directly, it's still better if we accept that time passes and things and people come and go. Well, that's something I'll probably never get around to accepting, so just heads up. I know it's not easy. It's impossible. Just don't do this anymore. Go to coffee war with the coffee mug army you have. Good, bewildering advice, Butch. Um, as Don would say, question. Why is my mug filling itself up with coffee? And now moving across the table by itself. Did it used to do that? No, this is a new thing. It used to just passively wait for me to fill it. Maybe this isn't so bad. Wait, now it looks like someone's drinking it. Fills and empties itself, cutting out the middleman. Good strategy, Mug. Uh, this is odd. Also, please direct your attention to the blue jeans walking around on their own. Uh-oh. Told you so. Butch, that's not helpful. I know. Told you so. Are they haunted? No, I think they're still linked to the past. I think that object is existing in two places at once. So past me is enjoying a cup of coffee. I guess. <gasps> what just happened? It fell and broke. I know. I mean, why? That was my grandma's mug. It must be linked to the day Hardy dropped it. You dropped my mug, man. Why were you even using it? Lou, we've been over this a million times over the years. I'm so sorry I should not have touched it. That was my special possession. I know. Oh, this is hilarious. You wanted to drag the past back into the present. This is what you get. I don't know how I'm going to get over this. I know this is an odd sentence, but I think my pants are trying to get your attention. What is it? It's an animated, apparently sentient old pair of Levi's. Something fell out of its pocket. It's a note. It says, on this day in history, nothing happened. Oh, how about that? I love history. What's that mean? It doesn't sound good. 
It looks like my handwriting. This is a note from some version of ourselves. I bet I know. We made an eventless day. Explain. No. Explain, Butchie. By going back in time and grabbing objects that were the basis of events, you made a day when nothing happened. You robbed it of its effect and its actions. It's like you took a scene from a play and removed all the action, all the things that affect the plot, and moved them to another scene, leaving a part in the play where nothing at all happens. Is that bad? If you were sitting in a play and suddenly everything stopped, stage cleared, no actors, no lines, uh, I'd think the play was over and leave. Even though it was going to start again. You wouldn't know that. Same with that day. It got robbed of its input into history, and now it's a time hole. Well, what do we do? We have to go back to that day and make stuff happen. All this because I missed my mug. I think that's acceptable, even though it's broken again. Maybe it wasn't worth it. Although it is neat to see your pants walking around on their own. All my clothes do that if they get dirty enough. So I guess we're going back in time. Set the dial to this day in history. After breakfast. Oh yeah, sure, no rush. Read it to me again. On this day in history, Emperor Hadrian built a wall across time, effectively stopping history. A great achievement, sire. Thank you. Remind me again of the purpose of stopping time. Purpose? I've stopped time in its tracks. I've built a blockade across the timeline like a traffic barricade. To what end, sire? To what end? No end. That's the point. No points anymore. No history.